Well, good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. Um, if you're joining us, uh, you're joining us in the midst of a series where we're examining how the Holy Spirit uh, of God just works in and through people, people like you and me. And when God calls people to follow Jesus, He's not merely inviting us to believe in a series of cognitive beliefs and rule following. That's not what we're welcomed into, and often the gospel is portrayed in that. Just believe and follow the rules and you'll be good. But the gospel's way bigger than that. You know, discipleship is a journey that we're invited into, and it's a journey of relationship with God, and in a relationship where we're invited to partner with the work that He is doing here on the earth and in all creation. And so that work that we're invited to partner with God in isn't like a set of spiritual chores that God gives you and then he zaps off back into whatever space he inhabits somewhere else. It doesn't work that way. Rather, the reality of God's advancing kingdom is that he is always at work here on earth by his Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. My Father is always working, and I do what I see my Father doing. And, you know, as you break that down and you read through Scripture and you begin to understand what that means, it meant that the Holy Spirit was present here on earth, and God is working through his Holy Spirit on earth, and Jesus was trying to tune into what the Holy Spirit was doing, and he partnered with that in everything he did. He said, I do nothing by myself, but only what I see my Father doing. He was being led by the Spirit all the time, partnering with the Spirit into what the Father wanted done, and Jesus would step into that. And because he was so perfect at doing it, that's why he saw so many great results all the time. We're invited into that same way of living. And so when we slow down and we begin to ask God to reveal to us what he would like us to do, how he would like us to live our lives, it's that work of the Spirit that he reveals to us and shows us when we begin to pay attention. That revelation, if you like me to use that word, becomes our calling. It might be a long-time calling or it might be a situational calling. You might be sitting there minding your own business one day and you look over and you see a person and all of a sudden you have a strong impression that God wants you to go and encourage that person. You feel like God is in the work of trying to lift that person up from whatever it is they're going through, and you all, all of a sudden feel the burden. Go over and talk to that person. That's the Holy Spirit's invitation to you to partner in with what God is doing in that person's life. That's your calling for the moment. You might find that, you know, you have something that's more long-term. You might have a passion to, to, to help the poor and you just want to go in and, and, and do practical things to help bring people out, up out of poverty and you just feel like that is your life's mission. It's the same thing. God is working in that area and he's beginning to reveal it to you and he's inviting you into it. It becomes your calling. But you know, that work isn't all ours. Rather, like I said, it's our invitation to join God in something that he's already up to. And so when we step into that, God promises to equip us and to empower us to do the things that he's asking us to do. And he does so by giving us that same Holy Spirit who is already doing that work. And so when you step out and you walk with the Lord and you try and step out in obedience to whatever God's laying on your heart, you are never doing that alone. It's not something that God has just plopped on you and then he's run off into the distance. He's there already doing it. He wants to do it with you. He wants to do it through you, and he wants to equip you to do it. It's almost like he doesn't really need you there, but he wants you there. He just wants to share his goodness, 
with you. He wants to share his work with you. He can get everything done that he wants to get done, but he's not satisfied with that. He wants to do it through people. Why? Who knows? Because we're incredibly inefficient at getting the stuff done. But he delights in moving his kingdom forward through using people like you and me. That's what we're invited to. And that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is God's invitation to you and me to join him in healing all creation, in healing the world, in healing the lives of people, in reconciling them back to him. And so this is the series in a nutshell. We're looking at how the Holy Spirit is, is doing that, using us and the, the situations that he kind of drifts into and impacts on a day-to-day basis. And today we want to continue doing that by looking at how sometimes the Spirit comes in power at times. It seems like we're in moments where God just seems to be more strongly present. He breaks in in, in, in a stronger way, especially when we gather as followers of Jesus. Often when we gather and we come in expectancy, we, we sometimes see that power moving in a stronger way. You know, I opened with a story last week, which kind of didn't really suit that sermon, but I was just too excited to tell it, and it actually fits in way better with this sermon this week. Uh, it was a story from a conference that I was at about 13 weeks ago, our national, a national conference in the vineyard, and we're in this meeting, and we'd been worshiping, and we'd been listening to a message, and we got to the ministry time at the end, and the person leading the ministry time just felt there was a strong sense in the room. Said they felt that the God was present with the power to help people who were struggling to conceive. That's, that's kind of how it was pitched to the crowd, right, if you like. And so people who were struggling to conceive went forward for prayer. Somebody I knew who'd been struggling for a number of years went forward for prayer. And if you weren't here last week, you get to hear the story. If you were here last week, you can tune out for a minute. And tune back in later. But anyway, as, as I saw this couple going forward who I really like, I went forward and prayed for them. If you don't know me, I've got six kids. So I went forward and I laid hands on them and I said, Lord, would you give them a double portion of what you gave me? I went all like Pentecostal on it, big time, you know. And uh, they freaked out a little because they only really wanted a quarter portion. And, um, and so we had a moment. Anyway, so I just prayed for them and I said, God, when you impact them, they were crying and all that kind of stuff because they've been struggling for about four years. And, um, and I bumped into them like two weeks ago at an event. And um, they just turned around and said, you know, we're 11 weeks pregnant. They got pregnant like the next week. And it's just a, a delightful time. And so some people might come and say, oh, but that's a coincidence. It could be a coincidence. But it could be the Lord too. The Lord could have been present with the power to heal people in that situation. And so... It was just a great moment, and, and many people can testify to that type of thing. And so we're going to explore that a little today, dig into it, try and build some faith in ourselves, some boldness in ourselves to step out into whatever God is inviting us into. Pray with me before I do our first reading. Lord, thank you so much uh, that you impact lives, that um, you, know, you either heal us or you walk through our suffering with us. We don't understand why and when and how and whatever, but, you know, Either way, you're present and you want to be close. You want to strengthen us. You want to lift us up. You want to draw us nearer to yourself. It's such an honor, such a privilege, Lord. Thank you. So this morning as we we just consider how sometimes you do break in and how you do bring your power to hand, we ask that you would would be present, that you'd open our hearts to you to be people of risk, step out in faith. God, my words this morning, Lord, let them be from you. Anything not of you, let it be forgotten. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.
Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 5 or follow along on the screen behind us. I've got three or four short readings today. We're going to just jump from one to the other, from Luke to Acts to Corinthians is what we're going to do. So Luke chapter 5, starting from verse 17, it says this. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The story goes on, if you know your Bibles, um, a bunch of guys show up with their buddy on a stretcher, they can't get in, so they dig a hole in the roof and drop him in. Um, I don't know who owned the house. Not a good day for him, but a good day for everybody else who got to see the healing, so there you go. Yeah, sometimes that's the way it is when God shows up, messes up your place, you know. Um, Acts chapter 2, let's jump over to that, verse 1, you'll be familiar with this. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. A couple of pages over on Acts chapter 4. What we have here is a situation where the apostles have been preaching and they're pre- doing amazing things down in the temple complex and the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees the, and the ruling religious authorities pull them in and tell them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You know, and instead of like just being coy and sneaking out, they defy them to their faces and there's a little bit of tete-a-tete, as they say in the UK, and they get thrown out and they're warned not to do this. And so they go back to the house and they tell everybody the story and they start praying and they pray, God, they're, they're wanting to stop us preaching about you. They're threatening to hurt us. Give us boldness so we don't care about their threats. You know, that's what they're, they're praying. And it says this in verse 31. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And they went out and caused way more trouble in Jerusalem. Yeah, let's jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the letter of Paul to the church in Corinth, and we'll be going from verse 7. And Paul says this to them. He goes, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. In the vineyard, we stress quite a lot that you know God may give you a gift that you use over and over again, um, that just seems natural to you. It may be a spiritual gift. It may be a gift you were born with. But we also believe that you're not limited to those things. Sometimes God can just come upon you in a moment because it's the one same Holy Spirit. There's one gift. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he, and he enables you to do different things. So sometimes he might use you to heal somebody. And you might never do that again in your life. Sometimes he might use you to give a, a prophetic word to somebody and then never do that to you again in life. Other times it might be just something that you... you, you it happens to you often. Who knows? It's up to the Lord how he does it. But never ever limit yourself. Never say, oh, you know, my gift is administration. 
and you know, that's my cross to bear, and that's what I'm going to do for the next 45 years. I don't pray for healing for anybody because, well, it's just embarrassing, and that's that. Don't limit yourself like that. Just be willing to be used in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. And we find that when we gather and we worship the Lord in, in communities like us, often that's how God does stuff. He uses people to do amazing other things to other people. And so we want to look at some of the things he does when he is present in the congregation and moves in power. One of the things he does is he is often present to heal. You know, if you hang around in the right circles, you'll meet enough people to realize that God is in the healing business. I know enough people who have been healed of the weird and wonderful down to simple ailments like headaches to understand that God regularly moves and empowered to heal people. Now, why he heals some and why he doesn't heal others is an old, age-old mystery the church has been trying to work out for about 2,000 years. We still haven't figured it out. And it's another sermon for another day. But today I want to focus on the fact that often he comes in power to heal people and to do amazing things. In this building right now, there are a number of people who have experienced physical healing through receiving prayer in this room or at Camp Vineyard with the youth or any conference that we've been to just in the past couple of, couple of years. Three, about two or three, three or four people in this church have had some sort of physical healing just in the past couple of years. These range from chronic back pain to knee injuries uh, to limited joint movement. Some, of them, some people in the church have seen people's scars disappear from their bodies through praying. That's a weird thing. Just in this small congregation. And that's remarkable. It's, it's mind-blowing, actually, but it is not unusual. Believe it or not, it is not unusual. Now, it doesn't make the news. It doesn't get into the times, right? Because the people who produce those things aren't really interested in those stories most of the time. But you can go to churches like ours, you know, some who are really good, some are a little bit rough around the edges, who are seeking the Lord and praying for the sick and inviting God to heal people, and they will have their stories of healing in their congregation all over the country, all over the world, especially in the third world where the poor are. And who knows why, but you know, they see these things on a more regular basis than what we do in the rich world. Amazing, amazing thing. When we gather in the name of Jesus, he is here. He is present by his Holy Spirit, and sometimes he comes with the power to heal. It's fascinating. It's amazing. I think the main reason he does it is to remind us of his goodness, to remind us that he cares. And even if we don't receive healing, we're reminded of those things. We're reminded to pursue the Lord and to pursue a relationship with him. Incidentally, if you want to hear some classic kind of vineyard teaching on healing, um, Vineyard USA have just released some of John Wimber. He's one of our founders. John Wimber's old video teaching from the 80s and early 90s. So if you want to go on a wild trip and you want to watch some of that and see a guy who looks like Santa teaching on healing, uh, you can actually access some of that stuff free at the moment. They've released some of the videos free, and so just go to Vineyard Resources and uh, find it over there somewhere. What else does he do? When the Holy Spirit is present, he comes to empower the saints. Who are the saints? Or if you're a follower of Jesus today, you are a saint. You might not be feeling particularly saintly, I mean, especially if your football team lost yesterday. 
Um, see, I'm watching the Rugby World Cup right now, so the football's not really high on my priority. Because, you know, you, know, you know, there's a hierarchy in creation, don't you? God's created things, and he's created us with the ability to do sport. And, you know, down at the bottom, he's got lacrosse, okay? <laughs> this isn't in the script. I'm going to have to edit this out. I shouldn't do this. I should not do this. And then you go all the way up to the top of the food chain, and obviously the greatest sport God has ever allowed man to create is rugby. You know? And then people who are scared of rugby play, no, football. <laughs> soccer as well. It's if you like to get hurt and fall over, that's you play soccer. I played soccer growing up. It's true. It's true. Anyway, what was I talking about? <laughs> Tithing. Not tithing, no, woman. He comes to empower us. He comes to empower the saints. We see this highlighted in the Corinthian passage we read earlier, and I referred to it in our introduction today. And why does he do it? He comes for the common good. He comes empower. He equips us to serve one another, bless one another, reach out to the lost. All these things. God is in the process of loving people, reconciling himself to them, healing them, and he wants to use people to do the job. And so he comes in power to give us all these gifts to equip us to do his kingdom work. And so when we gather, Jesus made that promise. He said, where two or more gathered in my name, I am there with them. How is he with us? He's with us by his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is here, the Holy Spirit is in the business of equipping you to do the kingdom work, whatever that may be, whatever he leads leads you into whatever he lays on your heart. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not called to spectate. Okay, we have a problem in the modern Western church. We have a lot of great churches that are doing some great gigs and a lot of people spectating those amazing performances. That is not how it's supposed to be. We are not called to spectate. We are called and God wants to equip us to participate that means when we gather and worship, we worship. So maybe you don't like singing, right? And we stood here and we sang four songs. You're like, oh, I don't really like singing. Well, you need to worship in some other way during that time. Are you an artist? Bring your notepad. Draw something, you know? Are you, are you a poet? Bring your pad. Start scribbling. Are you a praying person? You love to pray, but you don't like to sing so much? Spend that time praying fervently for the room that God would come and do something. Do something that is a giving of yourself to the Lord. Worship in whatever way you can. You know, and as we do that, we open ourselves up to God calling us to serve others. And you know, you can serve others in many ways. It might be through a ministry or a task that you do here on a Sunday. Um, it might be, you know, God lays on your heart to go and talk to somebody or pray for somebody, whatever that may be. And it might be on something that isn't isn't done in here. God might be laying on, on your heart something out there that he wants you to go do. Maybe he's, he's given you a burden to go do somebody's yard for free. Maybe he's given you a burden to walk around downtown and find a homeless person and take them for a meal. Who knows what it is, but he comes and he invites you to no longer be a spectator, but to be a participator in what he's doing, either in here or out there in the world. It's a remarkable honor, actually, if you sit down and think about it. God is in the business of equipping you to do the work of the kingdom. Are you open to that? Are you terrified of that? 
If you are, that's okay. Most people are. Most people are scared of God coming into their lives and asking them to do stuff. But he's always good. He never asks you to do something that is worthless and pointless. He always asks you to do something that is good for somebody else and actually is very good for you too. Are you open to that? Or have you been trained over the years to be like a spiritual couch potato where you're watching the kingdom of God game in front of you and waiting for the Holy Spirit to bring you a celestial drinks and snacks that you can feel well-fed in that moment. You know, a lot of Christians are living their life like that. And you can tell. They're like, oh, you know, pastor just didn't feed me today. Like, my my job's not to feed you. My job's to help you build a trough so you can feed yourself, right? In any way you want, with your hands, with a knife, fork, chopsticks, or just stick your face right in the thing. I don't care, right? We're invited to participate, and the participation is really where we begin to get fed. You know, John Wimber, our founder, said something really interesting. You know, when people used to say, feed me, John, he'd say, look, the meat's on the street. You want, you want God to feed you? Go out and serve somebody. And all of a sudden, you'll find all the meat you need. What else does he do when we gather? He comes to set people free. You know, we sing a song around here occasionally. It talks about God breaking every chain. And even one of our songs today was talking about how God comes to heal and to set us free. You know, everybody in this room, all of us here are aware of, you know, we all go through ups and downs in life, don't we? We have good days, bad days, good years, bad years, good weeks, bad weeks. And sometimes we can just get tangled up in some stuff that just seems to break us down and bring us to a real low point that's really hard to get out of. And in those moments, we can even be held prisoner or in bondage to to some sort of emotion or even some sort of sin that we've experienced, and we're struggling to break out of that. You know, we might have some baggage from an abusive past. Uh, you may have an addiction of some sort that you're struggling to break out of. Or you just may be gripped by the desire to commit a particular type of sin that you just, you just can't shake free of that. You know, a lot of young men in our culture who are exposed to a lot of pornograph- pornography and stuff like that struggle in that way with lust and tend to need to be set free from that. This and loads of other things can also often lead us into some sort of demonic bondage as well. You know, we don't talk about demons too much, but they're around, they do stuff. And how do they come about? How do we get trapped by their powers? Well, often how that works is we get to a place where we give ourselves over to some sort of bitterness, some sort of sin, or some sort of occultic practice where we, we give the enemy and the demonic powers and authority in our life. We, like Jesus said, you know, don't give the enemy a foothold. So when you give the enemy a foothold, sometimes you give him an authority in our life and you, you invite that de- demonic power to come in and have an element of control over you. And so what happens is you begin to find a particular habit or an emotion or a bitterness becomes so strong because it seems to have this enforced demonic strength behind it and it controls you to a point that it becomes irresistible. But God doesn't like that. And God, who is present by his Holy Spirit in this room right now, is in the business of setting people free from those things. And he does it in two ways. 
both through things that we struggle with and even through demonic powers. Uh, sometimes he takes us on a long walk, like a hike up Paris Mountain, you know, or even worse, a hike up the, Colorado, the Colorados, the Rockies, where it's just like one step after the other, bit by bit, you just, and a step of obedience, inviting a God to help you through this thing you're struggling with. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And bit by bit, you begin to get set free from it. And if you're not sure about that, just look at some things in your life that you struggled with maybe 15 years ago, and if you're submitting your walk to Jesus, you'll notice, hey, um, I don't struggle with that thing as much as I used to. And that means God's taking you on that long process. And other times you're blessed with an instantaneous moment of deliverance and freedom. And, you know, many of us have met people like that, a friend of mine, Des, who was here a year ago visiting from Scotland, was like that with a cocaine addiction. Bang! God set him free straight away from that. An amazing, amazing moment. I remember myself, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I feel I should. It's embarrassing stories of Billy. Um, years ago, I, I, I went through a season where I just really struggled with lustful thoughts. Really just struggled with them. And... Um, you know, it just, this period of time went, you know, I, I grew up a non-Christian, so you enjoyed the, the perks of looking at everything I shouldn't have looked at and all that kind of stuff. And so there's certain things got into my mind that had a hold of me. And I remember at one point, this feeling like there was a demonic strength behind it. I didn't feel like I was possessed or anything like that, but I felt like there was a strength behind it. I could not shake getting away from these lustful thoughts. They were just, a, they were a power over me. And I remember just praying and praying and going over a period of time. Then one day I was in my room at night. And it's funny, I still remember this moment. I was in my room when I, and I got to the point where I was like, I realized I really didn't want to think those things about people anymore. And I was like, Lord God, I just like, I can't handle this anymore. Please set me free. And I don't know if there was a whoosh in the room or whatever it was, but one moment I was struggling, the next moment it was gone. Now my job as a man is to make sure I don't go back to entertaining any of those thoughts anymore. Because, you know, then I invite that stuff back in. But, you know, lots of us have whatever it is that can get into your life that way. You know, lust is an easy example, but mind-boggling sins that we can give ourselves over to that the enemy can use to bind us down. And so there's another question for you. Are you chained down by something today? Is something got a hold of you that you need to be set free from? You know, have you brought that thing to God? Or are you at least in the process of walking into freedom? Do you feel like you're doing that? Do you feel like you're moving forward, step by step, heading into freedom from that thing? Or not? Do you feel totally stuck in it today? And like, you haven't even took, taken a step. You haven't even asked God to break in and help you with this thing. If not, today is a good day to start that process. Today is a good day to welcome the Holy Spirit to come say, Holy Spirit, will you set me free from this thing? Please do the instantaneous job, right? That's what we go for. We pray for the instantaneous gig straight up. But if not, and God wants to build your character, because some of you all need some character, you know, commit yourself to the long journey of deliverance, of freedom that God wants to walk you, walk with you through. Invite the Holy Spirit to move in power in you, to set you free so that you can be all that God created you to be. God created you to be a pretty remarkable person. Somebody who brings life to other people and even life to your city, your community, 
the, the environment that you find yourself in. That's what you're destined to be. But if you're, not, if you're not doing that, if you're just all about you and all about what you can get, you're missing out. You're missing out. You need to be set free from that, set free into what God has for you and wants you to walk in. This is the invitation of discipleship to us. And you know, when we talk to people who are not following Jesus, maybe you're somebody today who's not following Jesus, this is what God's inviting you into, inviting you into a life of freedom where you partner with him to heal the world and restore it to relationship with him and restore it to the goodness that he initially made it to be. So when we gather, God is present. He's present to heal. He's present to set us free. And he's present to equip us to do the good works of the kingdom. I'd like to invite you to stand with us today and ask him to do exactly that. Scott, do you want to come up with a band and...